Hello and welcome to Dismantle Racism, where our goal is to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. We really do want to create a world where racial equity is the norm. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. Let's talk about race. That's our subject today and other hard things. We are so blessed today to have an individual on the show with us who's going to help us think about the ways in which we can have the difficult conversations about race. But before we do that, I want to get us started by centering us and grounding us and asking if you would just to settle yourself and take a moment to find your breath, close your eyes if you can, and tune into that which gives you life. Take a moment to connect with divine wisdom and your sacred intelligence, which is that divine part of you that helps you to make intelligent choices. Breathe in the knowledge that these choices manifest your greatness while helping others to manifest their greatness. And as you breathe in and out, remind yourself that you are loved and that you are love itself. Breathe in and out the knowledge that you are a part of a shared humanity and carry within you the power to heal and to be a part of changing the status quo. Breathe in and out. Acknowledging the power of one contributes to the power of community. Now take a deep breath in, sigh it out, And let's begin. Fear, avoidance, division, hmm, all of those things prohibit us from having conversations that are difficult for us, particularly conversations around equity, diversity, and race. And sometimes we're paralyzed. We want to have a conversation, but then we worry Am I going to say the wrong thing? What if I mess up? What if they hate me for saying this? What if they think that I'm a racist? Well, we know that conflict is a normal part of survival. You don't need special skills or experiences to navigate it. At least that's according to my guest today, Dr. Nancy Dome. And so I want to tell you a little bit about my guest today. She is a renowned speaker, author, and equity consultant. She founded the Epic Education um, Center in 2014, uh, co-founded it, actually. And at the Epic Education, and I'm going to say institute because I've actually been one of the speakers at your institute, but your organization is really for leaders in education and businesses. And as an educator, she has been involved in helping to educate our young people for over three decades. Now, I know that's going to be hard to believe for you all because she's very young looking here, but Dr. Dome taught in the juvenile court and the community schools, and she served as a distinguished teacher in residence and faculty member at California State University, San Marcos. I'm so, so delighted to have my guest, Dr. Nancy Dome, with us today. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here, and thank you for that beautiful blessing to start us off. It just got me all centered and grounded. Thank you. I am... So I just want to say, because the other thing that I did not say about uh, Dr. Dome is that we have worked together before and we worked together for a number of years. Um, we've really helped uh, um, education along its path in terms of conversations about race, training educators, and just engaged in this work. So I'm delighted to have you on because we share that past with one another. But knowing how long you've been in this charge to help educate the world around equity and diversity, it's been longer than 2014 because we worked together long before that. So tell me, as I start out with every guest, what actually grounds you and keeps you balanced in this work? Um, What grounds me 
um, in this work and keeps me like not only balanced, but doing it is this constant understanding that I, I really believe that our kids are depending on us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I feel that without advocates, and, and I know that the advocates that came before us, the shoulders that I stand on, you know, I need to be the shoulders for the next generation to stand on. And so I'm very clear that until um, the change that I'm striving for in our schools and in our society is manifest, that I've got work to do. And mm. so it just it's just very clear to me. Yeah, so so I certainly agree and I understand that pressure to do that, to like follow in line with what our ancestors left us. But is there something though, a practice that you have that actually sustains you, you know, whether that be hiking, have connections with Montana and all of that. So what is, what is the thing that keeps you spiritually grounded on some, some level? You know, it is, it's nature. Nature is probably the number one for me. I, I can go out there and I can I, kind of like what you just walked us through this morning. That's me. I, I've never been a good meditator, right? I, I, and, and then I, I read something and it said that there was a thing called active meditation. I'm like, oh, that's, that's me, <laughs> that's me. Like, because I need to move. And so when I, when I find that I'm in beautiful places and I'm walking, um, you know, literally I, I talk to rocks, I talk to trees, I just kind of feel spirit go through me and mm-hmm. it, it allows me to to ground. So for instance, when I was really out in the field doing the work, you know, years ago when we were together, I would, I lived in Sedona and I would get home. And the first thing I would do after being on a, on a road trip was go hike the, the red rocks. Yes. And it just, it just let me know that I was home. Mm-hmm. It, it, it kind of healed my soul because this work always takes a little bit out of you. And, and then it gave me the energy to, to continue to move forward. And, and that's an important piece for me is to be able to be in nature and see it and, and engage with it so that I can stay grounded. Yes. Well, I find that it takes a lot out of us. So, mm-hmm. um, and so being able to connect with earth is really important yeah. because for me, I think it's also a place where we see spirit show up all the time. Yeah. And just to be able to plant your feet on yes. solid ground. And I love trees and where, where I am in my office, in my home, I have the, the privilege of having mm-hmm. lots of trees around me. And so um, I, I'm sharing that because I think it's so important yeah. for listeners to know that when we do this work, yeah or any work for that matter, but particularly when you're doing work that tears at your soul, that really and truly you have to have something to ground you. And and I picked up on that word, like it takes a little out of you because, you know, I think about the trainings that we used to do back Mm -hmm. in the day for, for two full days. Yes. And I think about the ways in which people would respond to us Mm -hmm. because some people were in those trainings because they wanted to be and others were not. Mm-hmm. And to have that for those who didn't want to be there, that hostility just at you all the time, mm-hmm. it, there, it could take a lot out of you emotionally mm-hmm. and physically. So it is important for us to find ways to care for ourselves. Absolutely. So, um, And so for you, you said it's the kids. The kids really keep you mm-hmm. in this work. Because you know that um, you are leaving something for them. You're helping them to move forward. Is there maybe a person that sticks out in your mind when you think about all the work that you've done and you say, right there, that's why I did this work. Is there any particular individual? And you don't have to call their names, but is there anybody? I know there are lots of them. I was going to say, you know, I'll, I'll start at the beginning though. So, you know, in juvenile court and community schools, um, you know, I had this young man and I was very new. I was probably 24 years old, you know, just slightly older than the kids I was teaching. And in, in alt-ed, these are kids that are expelled from public school. And so, you know, they, they're, they're angry. They got a lot of stuff that they're working through and I'm there to support them. And I had one kid that I just bonded with. He was, he was a gang member. Um, he was trying to get it together. He got a girl pregnant mm-hmm. and he, he really wanted to do the right thing. And so he kind of started showing up late to work because he was working at nights. And for me, it's about modeling. And I, I couldn't have him showing up late and I knew what he was trying to accomplish. So I had to um, basically send him out of my class, but I set him up with a, um, a workability work readiness program where mm-hmm. they actually found jobs for him and do it. 
and did that. But we had such a bond that he didn't want to leave me. And so literally the last words I heard from him, and I won't say them out loud, but it was F U, you know, B. Right, right, right. As he right. walked out the door. And I put him, I, it's not like I, I deserted him. I put him right. somewhere where I knew he would be successful. So I just had to know in my soul that it was the right thing to do. That's right. right. So you, you fast forward, like, I don't know, six years go by five or six years. And I get this random phone call and it's him. Mm. And, and he's like, do you, do you remember me? I'm like, yeah, I think the last words you said to me, <laughs> you know, and, and I'm like, what's up? How you doing? He's like, well, I just want to tell you, he goes, um, my wife made me call you because she was so tired of me talking about you. Um, and she said, just call her. And I wanted to let you know that the woman I got pregnant, I'm married and we are, we have a beautiful family and I'm a correction officer at Donovan prison. And oh my goodness. what I couldn't see was what you saw was my potential and mm-hmm. you getting me out of this space so that I could take care of my family and mm-hmm. work was what I needed. And I still get chills about that because you know, I that, just you got know, a chill. <laughs> You know, that, that for me was like, okay, this, this is why. And I know, because, you know, when, when you love, you know, sometimes we can, I say we sometimes in alt ed, we love our kids to death. Mm-hmm. Um, we love them so much that we enable them, that we don't right. allow them to grow and, and reach their potential. And we actually in that, that love that what we, I say, I call it love, but I don't know if it really is because we, we don't allow them to reach their full potential and we, we don't have high expectations for them right. and right. the expectations are necessary. So mm. um, I, I just, that was one of the things that, that kind of just like warmed my heart and let me know, okay, I'm doing the right thing. Mm, I so appreciate that story. And I really literally do have chills from that. And, and because I know, like, even with um, Epic Education and the Epic Institute that you have, there are kids that come through all the time mm-hmm. that, that you are mentoring, and maybe not even personally, but because of the organization that you founded, mm-hmm. you are having a greater impact you know, and that's the hard thing sometimes when we're shifting in our careers, you know, maybe we don't want to leave the kids like the ones that you had because we're thinking who's going to help, but then we're called to a higher uh, purpose. Not that there's anything wrong with that, uh, to an expanded purpose. Let that's me right. Say it's that. expanded. It's an expanded sure. purpose because then you're reaching people at a different level because I don't take anything away from the folks who, who are boots on the ground that's folks because right. I've been there done that and that is hard work but it's also rewarding yeah. work and so and, I, and everyone has a role right yes. like like so you know that was my role for 10 years but I wanted to have more impact and so I wanted to train teachers which is why I went to the university but this idea that 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 everyone has to you know be we need we need teachers in the field we need right. people doing the work we do it, yeah. it, it takes a village truly to it really for this does. change it, but I think the value is because we've walked that walk. Mm-hmm. We know, we've been there to see what's happening yeah. in the juvenile delinquent facilities, in the schools. We're not just doing it from a theoretical place. Right. We're saying, no, I've been there. been there. I know exactly. I know what you have to deal with as an educator. I know what you have to deal with as a student, as a parent even, right? Um, and so um, it's really important for us to to be able to, feel that we are making a difference no matter what areas we're in. Dr. Dome, we have to take a really quick break. Okay. When we come back, I want to ask you a little bit more uh, about your work and about your book. So this is the Dismantle Racism Show. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. TLC. We'll be right back. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy. And I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? 
I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. We're back with Dismantle Racism. My guest today is Dr. Nancy Dome. So Dr. Dome, you have had a wide variety of experiences. You've gone from working in the juvenile delinquent uh, training schools to teaching at the university to having your own organization where you um, have trainers who go out and train Mm -hmm. other folks. And then you wrote this book recently call Let's Talk About Race and Other Hard Things. So I wonder, first of all, what inspired you to write your book at this particular time? Well, it it was time. It's something that's been a work in progress for many years. Uh, The protocol and compassionate dialogue have existed for about 15 years, and it really is a pillar to the foundation of what we teach when we're out in the field, you know, about how to have difficult conversations. And, you know, there was a lot of feedback about, you know, that we love this protocol. It's great when you're in the room, but when we're, when you leave the room, when we're out of the room, we don't know how to really practice it. We don't know how to do it. And so uh, we created, you know, conversation starter cards to help people practice. And this was really just the next thing because it's a way now that we've had, um, we have several years under our belt uh, using the protocol, we have really good case studies, really good qualitative data that shows the effectiveness of, of this tool. Um, it, the book just seemed like the next the next thing so that it could be available to more people. Mm, yes, yes, yes. And I know yeah. it's a work in progress to get those books <laughs> out there. So, so if you think about some of the conversations mm-hmm. that you have witnessed or that you've heard that you've been in... Um, conversation with yourself or witness I think is there one conversation or two conversations that stick out in your mind and you go wow I I can't believe they just said that and we have to really break this down a little bit anything sticks out for you you know I I literally I mean I there's so many things and you know a lot of it is kind of passive I will say that the, it's the body language. It's, uh, you know, flipping out your cell phone when you're talking to let you know I'm not paying attention to you. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'll use that as an example because the overt stuff is actually easier for me to, to navigate. Because mm-hmm. when you come at me, you know, I've had people call me a racist and I'm like, okay, so let's talk about what that means to you, right? And that's literally what I say because I don't, I don't know their experiences. But what I find is harder for me to navigate, you know, well, not harder, but that I feel like I really need to navigate because of the silent messaging that's going out are those folks who, you know, are passive aggressive when we're, when we're doing, are rolling their eyes or, you know, whispering and talking and this or, yeah, or that, you know, and even this, I, this, I can kind of deal with, but like literally putting your phone up, you know, or leaning over and distracting someone who's trying to there. And so I've just, you know, the protocol has served me well, because Mm -hmm. it allows me to lean in and say, you know, it looks like you're uncomfortable. It looks like, you know, so I I can get to that interrupt, but I can do it truly compassionately where I, like, I want to understand what is, 
what is making it so hard for you to engage with this and to be present? And all I'm asking for is that you have an open mind. I'm not mm-hmm. here to change your mind. I'm here to provide information, allow you to decide, does it work for you or not? And, mm-hmm. and that was probably the biggest lesson for me in mm-hmm. doing this work was when I started, I was trying to change the world, you know, one person at a time, I'm going to make you see <laughs> I'm right. You know, right. and um, and then just, you know, the more mature I got around this work, the more I understood that that really wasn't my goal or my mission, um, nor my charge. My, mm. you know, it was really about providing an alternative perspective, allowing people to see me, you know, to 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 talk, to express what got them to where they are. And mm. because I really do. And I have to fundamentally believe that most people are good. I really do have to believe that. Um, and if I can't believe that, then I, then nothing I'm doing is worth doing. And And so if I I actually appreciate that, like mm -hmm. even just pausing in that moment, just because I think that we get to this place where we see the other, and we see sometimes the crazy, hateful things that people are doing. And then we think, why am I even bothering to talk to you? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that, and that for me is the, the, it's my thing. It's, I, I remember being in an aspiring administrator program and one of the trainers said, um, you have to always assume positive intentions. Mm-hmm. And I've never forgotten that. And that was 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is my goal is to walk in as best as I can and assume positive intentions. And if I can assume that, then I can ask better questions. Mm. But what I also like in terms of just thinking about your work, and you just talked about this compassionate conversation. Mm-hmm. So if we began our conversations from that place of mm-hmm. compassion, It's a different conversation. I can think about a couple of experiences that I had when I first started doing trainings. So there's a whole thing that that you you go through as a woman of of, a person of color, because no matter how you identify, but I think think this is uh, relevant for people of color. When we're doing this training, sometimes there's this this idea of we want to go in and we just really want to tell like white people, yes, this is racist. Yes, you might be racist if you do blah, blah, blah. We we want to go in and we want to just speak the truth of what yeah. we know to be true, right? Uh, based on our experiences right. and based on what we see showing up in the world. Mm-hmm. And we want to go in and be pretty direct about those things sometimes. And sometimes we go in from this place of uh, emotion, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but not like crazy emotions, but just go in, just, just sort of like, yeah, you need to get this because mm-hmm. this is happening. And I remember once before, long before you and I ever started working together and I was doing this work and I was saying something to my sister about, I need to go in and tell them blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And she said, but you won't start the conversation there yeah. because they will never hear you. That's right. The idea is to get them to hear you. And I can remember even in the agency that you and I used to work in together, mm-hmm. I remember there were days that I, I might begin still mm-hmm. a little, little, little rough there. <laughs> uh, not a lot, but just, just a little bit uh, with, with my, what I considered my truth, mm-hmm. but really when you come from a place of love and you come from a place of compassion and people can see that because it's already a difficult conversation mm-hmm. opens them up to listen. Yeah. So I love that your work is around this, this compassionate yeah. conversation. So what can you tell us for those individuals who find themselves? It's great when they're in a training, as they mm-hmm. say, but what if you're, what if you are in a situation where somebody just really said something really crazy and you want to address it. So what do you offer to people? What do you tell them to do? Yeah. So the protocol, the first step is recognize. And, you know, when we hear recognize, we usually think about it being external recognition, like, like what, what about the person who said or did something, but really it's about our internal recognize about what did you just trigger in me? Mm -hmm. Because in order for me to show up compassionately, I have to actually mitigate my own feelings. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Because if I don't ride my emotional wave and you've triggered anger, then it's not going to come out. It's not going to be compassionate. It's, it's going to be more more likely combative. You know, I'm going to show up defensive. I'm going to show up angry and I'm just going to uh, reinforce that whatever that stereotype is. And then we're going to it's going to break down the communication. And mm-hmm. so when I recognize internally that you've triggered me, I'm angry. The the ask and the interrupt is actually for us to be vulnerable and let that person know. And I think it's contrary to what we have been conditioned to do. Like you've just hurt my feelings, so I'm not going to be vulnerable with you, but really our vulnerability and our honesty is our strength. And Mm. so when I interrupt, rather than saying what you did was wrong, I'm actually going to seek to understand. Right. Mm-hmm. So if it's impacted me so much that I can't get to a good question, I might just share the impact and I might just say, you know what, that really hurt my feelings. Is that your intention? Mm-hmm. Like, let, let me just because I want to figure out who you are and who we are together right now. Right. And if your intention is to hurt me, then I know what my repair needs to be, which is, you know, we need to sever this it, and, and I can do it with love, but I don't need to engage with you anymore. But if your intent is not to hurt me, then I give myself time by asking that question and letting that person explain to actually ride my emotional wave and hear, right? Mm. And, what, and then I can real, and then I can understand. Okay, they're not trying to hurt me, but this is what this is what happened. So now we can have a conversation, and it's very different. I mean, just imagine uh, T, like if I said, um, "Wow, Tara Lynn, that was horrible." You know what you just said. You know, like already it's a reaction. But if I said, "You know what, Tara Lynn, what you just said hurt me." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that what you meant yeah. to do? Right. And, and it feels different. Right. Well, and, and it, that person isn't on the defensive. I understand what you're saying. And I keep thinking as we're talking here, I keep thinking about a conversation that I had with an instructor. Um, you know, when I was at Yale, we were in the classroom and we're all engaged in this deep conversation. And it was a, it was a class uh, around religion and race, actually. Mm-hmm. And she was a white woman used the N word. What? <laughs> I was like, she, she used it as in, you know, oh, we used to use the word, oh, okay. but we don't use it anymore. And I was like, I, I had like a Chris Rock expression in my mind going, did she just say what I think he said? You know how he does his head like that. And so, mm-hmm. so. And then I looked around the room and the people of color were like mm. grimacing. Mm. And so I tried to think, okay, how do I disrupt this conversation yeah. now in the midst of this lecture to say, not quite appropriate what you said. I let the moment pass, but then I chose to meet with her after mm-hmm. to tell her, you know, I felt like I had been kicked in the stomach when you yeah. did that. It was a visceral yes. response for me. And so we we talked about it and she sent an email out later. Now, of course, she didn't give any credit that someone had come to talk to her about it. She said, I sensed a visceral response. And I was like, you, you, you couldn't even acknowledge that, that you, because we, we don't know what we don't know. You just say yeah. it was inappropriate and move on. But but what I recognized in, in that is that she said something that was inappropriate. Yes, it did trigger a response in me, but then there's a period that, you you sometimes have to wait. Oh yeah, sometimes feelings subside, right? Yeah. And and I know that we have to take a break. But what you were talking about, I think, is so relevant, particularly for white folks who are even having conversations with other white folks, and maybe their feelings aren't hurt, but maybe they get angry about what someone else said. Because I found that a lot in the work that I do after George Floyd was murdered. That white people would come and participate in my trainings and they'd be so angry about something that someone else said uh, in their families. And it seems like your protocol then would even be appropriate for people who are just trying to get through these day-to-day conversations with their family around Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a quick break though. So I want you to hold, hold your thought and And because I know you have more to say on the protocol, but we're going to take a really quick break and I want you to come back and um, just add to that conversation. We'll be right back. Howdy, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7 
Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. We're back with Dismantle Racism. My guest today is Dr. Nancy Dome. Um, Dr. Dome, I want to just uh, go back into that conversation that we were having about your protocol and its relevance to people just in their day-to-day conversations. So can you say a little bit more about that? Absolutely. You know, and what you you finished off before the break really kind of made me think, there was a review left of my book from uh, a deputy chief of probation and she's a white woman. She identifies herself in the review and she says that she, she's found herself so angry at white people and, and that she, in, you know, and she's a white woman and she enters, you know, the conversation and she's like, I'm so, I'm, I just can't believe we're here. I can't believe we're having these conversations. And then she said that reading the book actually reminded her that we, we have to meet people where they are. And if we want change, you know, so being angry doesn't actually inspire change. And I, you know, and I know there's a lot of people who have different feelings about that. They feel like, you know, we've been oppressed for so long. I'm pissed and I'm going to, and, and, you know, I honor that if that's, that that's where you are, that's where you are. But what I know for me to be true is that if I show up in anger, I get more anger. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really trying to show up, you know, in my role as an educator, whether I'm in schools or whether I'm in businesses to really show up as, as, as a facilitator of a conversation that needs to happen and creating space where people feel like they can say what they need to, they can be vulnerable. And that um, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to judge because I think that we can't help, but judge, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to, my goal is always to push that judgment aside and, and, and let my, let, let the emotions come up and let that be the guide um, Mm. for the conversation and see if I stay in that place of judgment or if I can shift it. And I'd say that most of the time, because fundamentally, I do believe that most people are good people, we can begin to make shifts. Mm. But what I love though, is really, because this is, we're so similar, but it's not a surprise that we are, but it's really about doing your own work because I'm sure we say things even to other groups or within our own, our own group that was like, Ooh, did that just come out of my mouth? All the time. (laughs) We we might trigger something in, in other people. So what I like though, is this idea of, you know, what did this, what did this mean for me, but I'm not going to take what they said personally either. Cause that's what I think about when you say judgment, I think about, you know, if you've never had a conversation around race or other hard topics, as you say, if you've never had a conversation, you don't even know oftentimes that you've just said something that's inappropriate, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and so what I think is 
if we are in this place of anger and if we're in this place of cancel culture, which mm -hmm. is a whole nother topic, right? Mm -hmm. We do not advance the conversation. Right. So when you were talking about if you're angry and the other person is angry, I often think about what's my ultimate goal. And that goes back to what my sister said to me when I was doing those trainings. Right. If I go in and I start out hard, if, if you enter into a conversation and you start telling people about their privilege right away and they're like, what privilege? Mm -hmm. They can't hear anything that, that you said. And, and what I found is that, you know, after George Floyd was murdered, mm -hmm. racist, racism, privilege, white supremacy, all those terms were just being thrown out there and people didn't really know how to receive that. So by the time they got to this training, they were already, they thought they were farther ahead than they needed yeah. to be yeah. because using terms like that. So absolutely. Yeah. No, I totally agree. And I think that the, you know, the cancel culture just for a second, I think is part of the problem. I, I think there are some some instances where we need to cancel, but I also, you know, I I, I go back to this thought. Um, because I've been thinking a lot about, you know, what happened with Bill Cosby, what, you know, what's been happening with people when they go back in history. And I'm, and I'm thinking, I'm not, I'm not forgiving it, but I think that there is, like, I think about incarcerated individuals who have committed crimes. Let's go there. Okay. And our whole purpose of incarcerating them is that they're supposed to be rehabilitated. Mm -hmm. but society doesn't we don't treat them as if there's any possibility that they really can be so they're mm -hmm. just doing time and then when they come out they're treated ex, you know exactly worse you know because they've done a crime and so do we believe like I, when I was 20 I did things that I would never do today and right. is there any room for 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 forgiveness and for people to grow and change right. and, and and we have to believe that people can change otherwise our whole system is set up on a lie Right. And, and so I just have to say this because, you know, you just threw a live one in there when you mentioned Bill Cosby. Yeah. So we're not going to get into <laughs> Bill Cosby today. That's a whole nother uh, situation uh, because I don't think that you're saying those that people shouldn't be held accountable. No, absolutely not. Uh, and, I, and I appreciate that you decided to use another example yes. because yes. I just I just know that people in my audience went like, what? What is she what? saying around? What is she saying around that? Because because there is a difference between saying and doing something at 20 yes. and then taking accountability for what you've done yep. and not denying it and continuing to go, go, go and continuing to commit those crimes. Right. Absolutely. And, right. So, Absolutely. and so when we talk about when when I'm talking about cancel culture on here and I guess eventually I have to do a whole show on <laughs> cancel culture because you can't just have a few minutes. Yeah. But what I'm talking about it here is that when we make a faux pas. For instance, as we have seen people doing lately, particularly in 2020, 2021, people have made statements that they've always made, actually. Mm -hmm. And then folks are just holding them accountable. accountable. And the holding accountable has to be more than saying you're fired. Yeah. There has to be a yeah. training. So, for instance, with your book, when you talk about let's have the conversation about yes. race. Let's talk about why what you said just now is inappropriate right. and that you've heard people. And I know that there's a balance because you have to think about the people who've been wounded, such as when we have university professors making crazy statements that they mm -hmm. shouldn't be making in class. Those yes. students are wounded at that point. Yes. And there has to be some accountability for that woundedness. But what is it? Yes. So I think your, your book is a great place for people to start, like, let's talk about this. Yes. And, and, and because if, you know, your example of the university professor, they're still going to be in front, of, in front of kids, in front of students. And so we, it really is about helping them have a, a, a deeper understanding of their impact of their actions and, and how it's affecting the, the people they're working with. And, you know, there is a point, like I said, and yes, there's way, it's way too short of time to get into all of it, but the point is, is that we want to provide opportunities for people to grow if they want to, mm -hmm. right? And that's really, and if people choose not to grow, if I truly am a racist, if I truly am whatever those things are, and I'm not going to grow and shift because I'm rooted in these beliefs, then the repair, which is the third piece of the protocol, is just that we have to, we have to separate. And, mm -hmm. you know, we always think about repair as fixing something, but we yeah. always think as fixing as like a happy ending, right? But sometimes repair and fixing is divorce. Sometimes you've got to 
just let someone go. Sometimes you, you've got to do that. And we need to be okay with that because the protocol in and of itself is about self-care, right? And yeah. if I if I am communicating authentically, compassionately, and honestly, and at the end of all that, I need to let you go, then I have done it in integrity and I don't have to think about it anymore, which means all that emotion doesn't live in my body and continue to, to have an impact, you know, physiologically, Mm-hmm. Um, that I'm not aware of. And, you know, I always say the reason we talk about people is because we don't talk to them. So when we stuff all those emotions, when we stuff all that anger, you know, that professor said that thing, that person on the street cut me out, that, you know, when you repress all that and there's no outlet, eventually it's going to come out. And whether it manifests in a disease or if it manifests in you blowing up, it's Mm going to happen. And so it really, when we talk about using compassionate dialogue, it's also about compassion for yourself about yeah. allowing you to let go of some of uh, some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And and I and I think just to go back my my one point which got a little bit cuz I don't have enough we don't have enough time to talk about it. It's it's not about not holding people accountable 100%. And um but what I but you know this this whole conversation about you know someone's someone's work and and the the contribution and do we throw all that away? And I just think we need a deeper conversation um, about, you know, do we throw all that away because of the impact and the timely, um, because of the person? And I don't have an answer and I'm not trying to figure that out now. Right. But it's right. Worthy of a conversation. And that's what I was trying to get at right. is that instead of just saying, no, no, no. I know. It's like, we got to talk about it. I get it. It's a conversation that we've had around artists and whether yes. we should support their music, if they've done yes. And, Z. Athletes. and, you, and yep. you think about all the the music that has inspired you that's yes. moved you that it, it is a very complicated yes. conversation but I think the point uh, that that you've been making throughout this whole time is less talk yes. and, and 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 I think what's really beautiful because I think about your protocol your protocol is for any conversation that's difficult. I'm thinking about couples who have breakdowns and and marriages who need to understand, wait a minute, there is a way for us to enter into this dialogue. If you are willing, I so love your third step of repair Mm -hmm. and the way you describe, you know, uh, repair might mean it's time to say bye. Because it's a repairing of your soul and your inner being to be able to say, this isn't working for me. Yeah. doesn't serve me anymore. Yeah. Hmm. I love that. I love that. You know, we're going to have to take another uh, quick break and I think we should, we'll take a break now before we get into another conversation. And when we come back, we'll hear a little bit more about your protocol and want to make sure that we can tell people how they can find you and your work. We'll be right back. This is the Dismantle Racism Show. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. Join us every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern for the Mind Behind Leadership, where we focus on what leadership really means to us and to others. We have practical discussions with the CEOs of some of the world's largest companies, owners of small businesses, and experts in psychology and behavior to get that inside track, what to do, what to avoid, and what really happens. Join me, Graham Dobbin, at the new time, 4 p.m. every Tuesday for the Mind Behind Leadership, here live on talkradio.nyc. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Calling all pet lovers. Pet Avengers, assemble! On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. 
Dr. Dome, we are back and we have been talking about these hard um, conversations. And I want to just ask you a question around, I know there's more to your protocol and um, we certainly want to hear about that, but we also want people to go out and buy the book because you're really giving us just an overview of it. And folks need to have the in-depth learning that is contained in your book. And so I want to definitely encourage people to um, pick up a copy of the book. But one of the things that you talked about, you, you know, you've talked about vulnerability, but you also talk about forgiveness. And I don't want to let time uh, pass us before we get to that. So share a little bit about that and where it shows up in your work. Yeah, you know, um, we, we, <laughs> we hold on to things so tightly. And, um, and that's part of the problem is that, you know, that, 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 somehow by letting go, we, we, it's, we're not used to being vulnerable and admitting that, you know, that it's time to heal and that healing is so necessary, but forgiveness is part of healing. And if I feel wronged by someone, even if we have this, this difficult conversation, there's got to be a level of a willingness to forgive the actions that happened, you know, part of what makes it easier for me, as I always say, separate the doer from the deed. Right. And that, because then I can forgive, I can forgive the deed and I can, and I can, you know, se separate that out so that I can still stay in relationship with the person, but the forgiveness is also for ourselves. I mean, mm -hmm. it is that self-healing and it, it, it just says that, you know, people are going, we're human having a human experience and we're going yeah. to make mistakes yes. and there's gotta be a willingness to forgive people for making mistakes and give us, give each other grace Mm. To, to do better like mm. if I make a mistake with you allow me the grace to do better because if I want to and you don't ever forgive me and allow it then I can't show you that I have been impacted that I have changed that I want to be in relationship with you and so mm -hmm. you know our I, and I wonder if that's ego you know there, there's there's we could go but you know what gets in the way of our ability to be vulnerable and say you know what that hurt me mm. and I forgive you for that mm. You know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think often it's a defense mechanism, too. Yes. you know, so I don't want to be vulnerable, but, but I, I'm going to, I'm going to have to puff up because yeah. I'm not going to let you hurt me hurt like me. that again. And yes. we're actually just, you know, you said it before, we're killing ourselves really yeah. Yeah. We're doing in that whole process. So yeah. I, I think forgiveness is a, a huge piece in terms yeah. of allowing us to even enter into the conversation, which you speak to. Yeah. Uh, so beautifully. So uh, what else can you tell us about your protocol for having these conversations? You know, just that it, it, like anything, if you've ever tried to learn a musical instrument, if you ever tried to learn a second language, if you ever try to learn a sport, you know, all of them have in common one thing, and that is practice. Mm -hmm. And so we have been conditioned in society not to actually avoid any difficult conversations. And we have been conditioned to also not talk about some of the most important aspects of our life, you know, mm. being religion, being, you know, race, identity, you know, mm -hmm. those things, you know, money, all those things we don't, we're not allowed to talk about, but they are, they are truly some of the most important aspects. And so we have to be willing to lean in and have those conversations and we have to practice them. And so the first time it's going to feel really weird. It's going to, it's going to feel hard. There's going to, you're going to be uncomfortable. You may feel it in your body. Like my palms are sweaty or my, you know, my gut hurts or whatever, or I'm, you know, whatever, but the more you practice, the better you get at it. And there's a level of comfort and you really begin to feel how your body responds to the ability to be in love, mm. to show up in love. Mm -hmm. Right. Because if we show up in love, we cannot help but feel good. And the other person feels it yes. as well. And as I'm, I'm talking with you during this time, you know, I keep having this thought over and over. And you just said the key in terms of practice. Yeah. And that is this. I'm a different I'm a different person yeah. than when I started this process of yes. doing trainings. But also I have grown in my own ability to manage my emotions and not take things personally yeah. so that I don't get triggered. Right. So I think about, I can still remember, you know, once doing a training, someone saying, Oh, 
I can just hear the violins playing in the background and literally did this. And we're, we're talking about educators working with black and brown students. And I thought, oh my gosh, what are these students dealing with with you? If you're saying I can hear the, and I remember in the inside being so angry that he said this because it felt as if it was a total dismissal of me as a human being. And I responded, don't even know what I said. Yeah. Because inside there was a dialogue going on. But now, years later, if you were to say that to me, because of the practice, because of the practice of the dialogue, but because of the practice of I'm not taking this personally, yes. because they don't really understand what it is that they just did. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I have gotten much better. Yeah. Yeah. And I could say, just as you said, now, is that what you really meant to say? Yeah. Or let me explain to you the impact that this is. Yes. On yes. Me. So yes. I really appreciate this idea of, of practice. Yeah, that's it's crucial. And, and being in, you know, so when you talked before, you know, because I just want to just reiterate, you've talked about being willing to be vulnerable. You've mm-hmm. talked about this idea of um, forgiveness and how important that that is. Uh, for us to have an effective conversation. And so I real there's really also this place of you're not going to feel good all the time when you have a conversation. No. So be willing to be a little bit uneasy yeah. in the conversation. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, it, th- this notion that we, that everything's supposed to be easy is, is part of the problem. It's kind of like that fairy tale, that myth that, you know, we're going to be really polite, but you know, we know what happens the minute you turn your back, you know, when you show up polite or you grit your teeth or, you know, I remember someone making a joke um, with me from the South and she's like, I always just say, you know, God bless you, <laughs> you know? And, but I was like, isn't that supposed to be a good thing? And she's like, not when it's said that way, you know? No, when you say bless your heart. Bless your heart. Because I'm, yes. I'm from the South. <laughs> bless your heart. You know, um, yeah, so... Yeah. So, you know, it just, it's just, it's, it's, it really requires that we just kind of lean in and understand that we are going to be uncomfortable, but the end product, like think about having a child. Like if you've had a child, I haven't, but I can only imagine I've heard enough about it. Right. (laughs) But, but it's, you know, it's not easy for most women to give birth, but you do it and you do it again because the outcome was worth it. And this is this conversation. It's not easy. It, 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 but at the end of the day, when you're done, the outcome is worth it. Mm, can I ask you a question? What are your thoughts about, uh, as if I haven't asked you a million questions already on here, but what are your thoughts about whether there's some people that you can have the conversation with and other people that you can't? Well, I mean, I think we can always have the conversation with everybody, but the outcomes will be very different. And sometimes the conversations will be short-lived. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I am willing to engage with, I would say most people um, and and try to have the conversation. So I want to, I want to make that kind of distinction that we can always choose to engage. Now, there are times where I choose not to, where Mm -hmm. I absolutely recognize that it will take too much out of me to do it. And Mm -hmm. I don't, and, and it's also probably someone I may never see again, but those choices are getting fewer and fewer. If, you know, for me, context, if something is happening and there's young people watching, if something's happening, depending on the environment, depends on whether or not I'm willing um, to engage or not, you know, and also, of course, depending on my safety, Mm, you know, and and that's a real, real concern. Um, Mm -hmm. If I am not, if I am unsafe and we have to make that distinction, because I think a lot of times, especially in the training, um, you know, I I had a white woman in a training tell me I'm feeling very unsafe. I stopped the whole training Mm -hmm. because when you say that to a black presenter that you're unsafe Mm -hmm. and what that means in a room predominantly of white people, we need to get to the bottom of that. So I had, well, Well, and that's so interesting. And we're we're near the end of the show, so we can't go into that. But yeah. even even why she felt unsafe yes. in the first place because you yes. know we're a black woman presenting, yes. right? Yes. You know, uh, so to even get to the bottom of that is to say, well, what about it? It makes you feel unsafe, yeah. and right? what and exactly? Mm-hmm. And and that conversation had to happen because I could not move forward in that room 
in my own safety. And what we got down to was that I, it, you know, I asked a lot of questions, you know, with 75 other people in the room and she processed with me. And I said, it sounds to me that maybe you're uncomfortable. She goes, I'm very uncomfortable. Mm. And I said, so do, do you feel like I'm, I'm going to hurt you? Do you feel like I'm emotionally, you know, damaging you? And she said, no. I said, so, so I want to explain that discomfort is what I, I expect that in this room. Mm -hmm. unsafe I never expect and so mm -hmm. we were able to to break that down and the room was able to see that but I'm like you can't say that to a black woman and then the, right. a black man is even worse you say that to a black man because all that historical you know right. and so. it could put, and it could put now it makes you unsafe yes absolutely 100 percent so Dr. Dome our time our time <laughs> is up Okay. Uh, and what an amazing conversation for us to have had. So I just want to ask you if you have any um, uh, final words. Well, actually, what we'll need to do is just tell folks, how can they buy your book and how can they get in touch with you? So the book is, well, in touch with me, drnancydome.com um, and it's drnancydome.com and all my socials are there and you can get in touch with me that way. And the book can be found on Amazon. It's Barnes and Noble. It's, you know, you can actually get it ordered at your local bookstore too. Um, the publisher is Ingram. So um, that's one way. And then I think my final thought, uh, Tara Lynn, is um, I found this quote from um, Kamala Harris and it's, our unity is our strength and diversity is our power. Oh, all right. Well, Dr. Dome, thank you so much for leaving that uh, inspirational quote with us. Please pick up a copy of her book, Let's Talk mm -hmm. About Race and Other Hard Things. Uh, I'm delighted that you were with us today. Please, please stay tuned for the Conscious Consultant Hour with Sam Leibowitz, where he helps you walk through life with the greatest of ease and joy. Be well, be safe, be encouraged. Bye for now. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. informed about menopause and how it impacts on your life? Hi, I'm Pat Duckworth, women's health strategist and host of the Hot Women Rock radio show, empowering women leaders at menopause. Join me every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. UK Time on talkradio.nyc for interviews with inspirational women who will share their top tips to rock your world. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about health to advocate for all of us. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. 
Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 